Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat, and we have Oh, so much to discuss today, Horwat. The Penguins lose 5-2 to to the Florida Panthers in what I would deem an embarrassing showing. There's a lot of thoughts coming from both me and you and all around the Penguins universe. After that game, we'll share a couple of ours here in the next 30 to 45 minutes. We're also going to talk a little bit about Jake Gensel's injury and what impact that could have on the remainder of the season. Is it time to sell officially after that loss? And let's preview celebrate 68 weekend because it is here and there is a light at the end of the tunnel that has been this week and that is Yarmir Yager and his jersey retirement we'll talk about that but I mean some positive vibes from mother nature today it's a little cold in northern Virginia but a beautiful sunny day I don't know what it's looking like in Pittsburgh but hey when the penguins lose the sun still shines the next day Oh, stop stop with the positivity. Bullshit. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to start positive because I know we're going to dive negative really quickly here. We, yes, we are. I'll say this off the jump, so I'll try not to say it again later. The Celebrate 68 Day, the Yager Retirement Ceremony, uh, that is going to be probably the next and probably the last day of good vibes around the Pittsburgh Penguins f- until this summer. Um uh, and maybe I can pull a little bit of positivity out of the time to sell portion, which which we will get to. So let's uh, let's kick this thing off and get ready for the. Uh, I don't want to say day of reckoning. I don't want to say the doomsday, but get ready for doomsday. Yeah, as far as you know, positive days remaining on the Penguins calendar that are not related to the actual play on the ice. Chris or not Chris Tank, excuse me. Eric Carlson could hit a thousand games this year. Kenny Malkin could reach five hundred goals this year. A lot of individual accolades that yeah it's a nice feather in the cap but I'm sure anybody in that locker room would say much rather be in the postseason we'll talk about their chances to get into the postseason in this episode but the Penguins were hit with a reality check last night and that's the way I'm looking at it from the Florida Panthers a 5-2 loss on home ice third loss in a row the Penguins they got the first three power play opportunities of the game it was a low event first period they got a couple of chances when the man advantage they weren't able to take advantage of it not only that they didn't register a shot on goal in the first two opportunities they scored on the third one but it was called back because of a high stick from Lars Eller so they go 0 for 3 and immediately following that literally the player in the box Evan Rodriguez goes out on a two-on-one break Matthew Kachuk puts the puck in the back of the net, and before you know it, it's 4 to nothing in favor of the Florida Panthers, and you just knew the Penguins were going to come back that, from down four goals at that point. They've scored two-plus goals in only six of their 15 games in 2024, and they've only reached the four-goal mark twice, so you just had that feeling of, okay, this game is already over. You might as well close the book. Most people would have turned it off and went to bed, but me and you, unfortunately, don't have that luxury we watched till the absolute bitter end. What were your thoughts on the Penguins' performance last night against the Panthers? They keep. I heard a couple of the players say, and Mike Sullivan said it too, that uh, that was a hard game to analyze. It was a hard game to sort of dig and find the details of. I'll say this: it wasn't that hard. You lost four to one. Four to sorry, five to two. Mm. Felt like four to one. That's when I really stopped paying attention that much. Um. there really weren't many positives to pull from it. If you're trying to analyze the game and what you did good and bad, there was a lot more bad than good. And this, it it felt like it was over the second that, that, uh, not that the goal was called back the first one, but the second Florida scored their first one. Oh yeah. 30 seconds later, they scored a second. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it really felt like it was 
all piling on because things just happened so quickly. Um, there was no crawling back into that. Then it went down for nothing. You and you just knew. You just knew they weren't. That wasn't going to happen. I kept looking over to see if Nadelkovic was going in because I didn't know where this team wanted to take the game. Uh, and keeping Jari in pretty much showed that they weren't too worried about it. They weren't too worried about getting the the goalie change jump start. I mean, I, I get they play today, they play the next day, but um, it just felt like they were. Phoning it in after they went down four nothing. Hell, after they went down two nothing. Yeah, the Penguins last night. I mean, it already had bad vibes going into the game. Anytime you go into a game with eleven forwards, seven defensemen, I personally don't like that combination. I understand mm-hmm. that Mike Sullivan might have been handcuffed. They didn't have salary cap space to bring anybody up. I saw a couple people mentioning Sam Poulin. We do have to remind everybody that he is currently injured. I mean, when is this guy going to be healthy whenever there's an opportunity that pre- presents itself? It's it's so unfortunate for Sam Poulin, but we don't need to get into that. But anytime you go into a game with 11 forwards, 7 defensemen, especially against a team that has one of the deepest forward cores in the National Hockey League, you already knew you were going to be on your back foot going in, not to mention the talent disparity between the two teams to begin with. So the vibes were off. I thought they played well in the first period. I thought they played a style that was going to keep them in the game, the only style that was going to keep them in the game, which was low-event hockey. I think the Florida Panthers had four shots on goal in the first. The Penguins might have had five in the first period. There was not a lot of shots on goal. There was not a lot happening. I mean, the Penguins went the first, what, 11 minutes of the game without a shot on goal. So they were trying to just, at that point, keep the Florida Panthers from running away with the game. And eventually, when you get power play opportunity after power play opportunity and you don't capitalize, the good teams are going to start to pull away eventually. And that's what happened last night. The Florida Panthers showed that they were the better team. And eventually, they said enough is enough. They kicked it into high gear and the Penguins had no answer for it. Yeah, and it wasn't even like um, the first meeting between these two teams, or at least the first one in Pittsburgh, was a bit of an ugly affair. Things got a little chippy. There was some... a fair amount of bodies being tossed around. This time around, it kind of got there in the first period when it was still close. You know, Malkin and Ekman Larson entering the second period with the coincidental roughing minors. Um, but that was it for it. That it it didn't turn ugly after that because the Panthers didn't need to make it ugly. The Penguins no. were keeping themselves in the first the the last time around because it was close game and ended up going to a shootout if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Um, it was. You know, going to stay closer so the Panthers were able to kind of pull their nonsense, if you will. Um, but because they ran away with it, uh, the crime counter was stuck at zero. Yeah. All right, fine. One or two, because that first period did kind of get weird. Um, but it didn't go past that, so it, there was no need for it. So it was a, a right, uneventful hockey until that little portion there. The Penguins, by the way, had three shots in the first period. Three. Um, it, wow. Yeah, they had, they. I remember they had three for a long time, and then they took one away. So they had two going into the what it felt like I think it was like the final five minutes of that first period. Mm-hmm. Just an ugly affair uh, for the Penguins and low event. Yes, until a couple of scrums happened, a couple of skirmishes, but nothing to speak of. So mm-hmm. the Panthers were able to run away with it. They're one of the best teams in the league, let alone one of the deepest, one of the you know uh, ugliest. But they're just. They're one of the best, and the Penguins could not keep up with them one bit. 
Uh, you mentioned that the physicality toned down a bit after the Panthers took a commanding lead in that game, and it did. But there were a couple incidences, especially in the third period, between Nico Mikola and Jake Gensel, and it ended up resulting in Jake Gensel leaving the game with about 11 minutes and 58 seconds remaining. He's being evaluated for an upper body injury. As of you know, the latest updates from Mike Sullivan post game yesterday, we might get another update as as early as today as they take on the Chicago Blackhawks. No morning skate, so we can expect any news that would come out to be around probably five or six o'clock this afternoon. But Gensel leaves the game midway through the third period. It goes without saying that a long term injury becomes the Penguins' worst nightmare, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, depending on how long, it doesn't have to be long term. If this, if Jake Gensel's out for. What feels like any amount of time after today. If he misses today because they're still evaluating, so be it. Uh, if he's missing anything past Sunday into Tuesday, turn it in. Turn it in. Uh, you're you're talking about it being cell mode. Well, yeah, then so am I. If uh, Jake Gensel cannot return to the ice in short order here. Yeah, the first person to say it last night was Danny Shirey, and he said. Any Gensel absence ends the hopes of a playoff run. Like it ends the hopes of getting into the playoffs, let alone going on a run. And I think it, it's more than that. It negates any potential in-season trade you're going to make, which, I mean, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. You're not going to have any leverage to trade him before free agency opens on July 1st. So there's no point at that point. It takes away an option and a big option for the Penguins because if they decide to sell, and we'll talk about that in the second segment, if they decide, hey, we need to do... You know, people are saying a soft rebuild. People have called it a shotgun rebuild. I think I have an I, I, I have my idea on what I would like to see them do from this point on. Because like I said, last night was a wake-up call for the Penguins. Last night was a wake-up call, I, I think, for Kyle Dubas and certainly for me with where this team could go this season and where this team should go in the next couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline, in my opinion at least, and we'll get to it. But losing the option to trade Jake Gensel in the season hurts a, a lot. It hurts a lot because you can try to trade certain players. Alex Nedeljkovic, the goaltenders, are going to dominate the trade deadline. You might be able to get some decent return for Alex Nedeljkovic. At the end of the day, the biggest piece, the biggest kickstart to any potential closing of the gap between this team and the next team that will actually make the playoffs would be trading Jake Gensel. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the quickest way to shorten that gap. You take that off the table, the Penguins are in a very, very precarious position. They're already in a precarious position, but that hurts it tenfold because he's one of the few players that have actually been productive this season. He's the only player that has that type of trade value in the actual market, and it forces you to either sign him or lose him for nothing. That becomes your only options. Uh, yeah, you could try and deal him after the season before free agency opens. but You're not that's, getting the first. You're, yeah, you're going to lose that first-round pick. Uh, you're not going to get much of a return because it becomes a different can of worms. Yeah. He's the only guy worth a damn trading. Yeah, Alex Nadelkovich, but at the same time, um, his name has not been tossed around at all. Uh, it's, that's it was because the Penguins haven't been. I mean, the yeah. Penguins, even Jake Gensel's name is low on a lot of these trade boards because people are like, we don't know what Kyle Dubas is going to do. He hasn't alluded to anything. Yeah. It, and who it's I don't know you're right it's because the Penguins haven't started their decision making yet it's I mean there's the Riley Smith discussion still too mm -hmm. but again outside of Vegas what team is genuinely going to take him uh 
who else? I mean, yeah, you're going to say sell as many players as you can, recoup as many assets as you can, but at the same time, you have to figure. This This is the conversation we have every year mm-hmm. uh, around the trade deadline. Who's taking these players? Who yep. is taking... Lars Eller could probably go somewhere, land somewhere, and you know play perfectly fine. Uh, no one's going to take Jeff Carter off of our hands. We're stuck. The, I said uh, Riley Smith, who genuinely is going to take him outside of Vegas. If you want to start digging into it, who's going to... Someone will probably take Drew O'Connor, but for what? Uh, Ryan Graves isn't going to go anywhere because no. that contract's an anchor for now. Uh, you don't want to trade Marcus Pedersen. Carlson and Latang are stuck. Uh, yeah, do they I don't have a lot of options. <laughs> they don't have a lot of options. I mean, Ricard Raquel, I would throw in there as somebody I that, about Raquel, yeah. I mean, his contract is huge, but I think somebody could think, oh, maybe a fresh start here could turn him around. But again, you're not getting very many assets in return. The point of selling this year is to recoup as many assets as humanly possible. And that might not do very much. It's certainly not doing anything for next year or the year after that. I mean, unless you trade Gensel, that's the only person that you might be able to trade and get something back that helps you in the near future. Other than that, you're not getting anything that's helping you in the near future. But trading at this stage is to get the biggest asset of all, cap space. Room to work in the offseason. Now, Kyle Dubas has to follow that up and fill it correctly. But at this point, that's what you do. If you're done with this season, if you think that... This team is not going to go on a Stanley Cup run, which I think most people would agree is very much outside of the realm of possibility right now. You're trying to make the board as clean as possible so you can build something worth a damn next year. That's that's the goal at this point. In my eyes, that's the goal. And it, it's not the goal of the guys in the locker room. It's not the goal of the guys behind the, the bench. It's not going to be the goal of the guys probably in the front office. But that's the goal that in my eyes is is the best course of action at this stage of the game. And we'll talk about it more in the next segment, but you're not going to be able to, to really do what the Rangers did and become a juggernaut in two years based on a quick send a message out to your fans and get lucky in the NHL draft lottery a couple of different times. You're not going to be able to do that. So what you need to do is wipe the slate as clean as you possibly can and fill it with positive assets. And that's, that's the only course of action that seems to be the best towards getting Sidney Crosby one last kick at the can when he's really late in his career and probably not as good as he has been the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't know if we're going to get the same sort of Sidney Crosby next year. We don't, period. Just don't. Um, then we don't know if, 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 if Kenny Malkin's ever going to turn this around. We don't know... What the future holds for Chris Letang still, and just, like I said uh, before we start here, I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter realizing that Eric Carlson's actually kind of good. <laughs> Thank you for finally showing up. Um, mm-hmm. It's it took you long enough. I think uh, we've been preaching over here that he's been perfectly fine. We, me and you, at least knew he wasn't going to score 100 points again. But yeah, um, what was the one I saw today that he's like actually in like the top 10 of defensive scoring? Yeah, because he's Eric Carlson, guys. Always has been. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, there have been struggles, but at the end, at overall, I'd say he's had a good enough season. Look and who he's playing with. I, I was about to say, look who he's playing with, and look at what the forwards are doing. What do you expect his assist numbers to do when nobody can finish? Right, power play is nonsense. Let's not exactly. even worry about him on the on. Let's not even worry about these guys scoring on the man advantage. 
And also, for what it's worth, I still don't... I keep seeing all of this come back up yet again. I still don't think Mike Sullivan's getting fired, guys. He's not. The contract has not started yet. I get that... Um, that's the popular take. I get that that seems like a viable option. Uh, but the way Kyle Dubas doubled down earlier in the year and the way that I'll keep bringing it up. We can have this conversation next season. The way that contract is not kicked in yet and the way he is in the pocket of Fenway Sports Group, he's not going anywhere until next year. We can have the discussion next year. If this was any other team, that would have been a game last night that causes people to be fired. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. He would if this was any other team and that contract at, didn't exist, he's mm-hmm. gone months ago. Look at the Kings. The Kings were the best team in the National Hockey League for the first 30, 35 games of the season. They hit a cold streak where they weren't performing to up to task. Todd McClellan's gone. He is gone. Now again, that's the team that's coming in here on Sunday, so that'll be an interesting, you know, does the fresh coach bump overpass the hey, we're going to trust our guy. That's uh going to be a nice little secondary storyline on Sunday, but no, it's, you know, especially with Carlson, I look at five on five because last year, even as a hundred point season, he had 25 power play points. That was it. That's nothing out of the ordinary for a power play quarterback, even if it's on a bad power play like the San Jose Sharks were. But if nobody can finish, Carlson's not going to go out there and score every single goal. Yes. Could he be better in certain instances? Yes, but so could everybody else on this team. So I think both me and you look at this and say, yeah, he hasn't meshed exactly the way that you would hope. Yeah, he hasn't met expectations, but if your expectations were 100 points again, then you just came into this looking for fool's gold. Uh, that's We said that the day he was traded to the Penguins. He's not going to score 100 points. He's not going to score 90. If he scores 80, that would be a miraculous season. You're hoping for something in the realm of 70 to 80. 80 yeah. would be great. 90 would be ridiculous. And 100 again would have been give this guy a Hall of Fame jacket already. So, yeah. I don't know. We... we the Carlson discussion is obviously going to be intriguing as as the season goes on, as the offseason appears, especially if the Penguins decide to shift it down into S and sell mode. His name is going to come up in the fan base. His name's not going to come up by anybody that has any information. Uh, that's my bold prediction on that. But, you know, it, it is interesting. I didn't see that because I put out my opinions on the internet last night and then I shut shut my phone off yeah <laughs> so. there was just a couple of tweets during the game this morning that's hey this uh, carlson guy is actually kind of good <laughs> really you think uh no that's and that aggravated me because like i said we've been discussing that he's actually pretty good just a matter of who he's playing with and this power play is not doing anything yeah um oh i i have so many takes plus another thing i heard yesterday i forget what i was listening to or where i heard it from but someone was questioning about if Jake Gensel sticks around, um, what do we sign him to? Is he would the Penguins sign him to more than Crosby? Like, are you willing to pay guys more than Crosby? Who for to whoever said that the Penguins have been paying guys more than Crosby at least against the salary cap since 2005. Yeah, <laughs> Evgeny Malkin made nine million dollars. Eric Carlson right now makes ten. Yeah, so that's not that's not a negotiation. Are Sorry you willing to, to pay more? Then you're paying Sidney Crosby. You're pay- willing to pay whatever it takes to get a Stanley Cup. Like, that's, at the end of the day, Which, to bring in players that will help you to win a Stanley Cup. Now, the question then becomes, is paying Jake Gensel $10 million get you closer to winning a Stanley Cup? 
probably not, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, what we are going to discuss is, is it officially time to sell? I think you kind of already know our opinions on that based on listening to this, but we'll break it down a little bit more after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We've already been kind of talking about whether or not it's time for the Penguins to sell. And by sell, both of us are looking at this and saying you sell what you can and you get what you can back and you just try to build something resembling a playoff team in the offseason. It's not an easy task and I'll talk in this segment a little bit later about why all of the blame that's going on Kyle Dubas's shoulders most of it is unwarranted. Some of it is, but most of it is unwarranted. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, the reason I say this, and I think I mentioned it last night on the recap, what is the end goal for this Penguins team? What has it always been with Crosby, with Malkin, with Latang? In the last couple of seasons, one more run at a Stanley Cup. One more Stanley Cup. Get it to that fourth cup, which puts you in a bracket with a select few organizations and a select few cores when it comes to winning Stanley Cups. Four Stanley Cups for Crosby, Malkin, and Latang puts you up there with Messier, Gretzky, puts you up there with the 80s New York Islanders. It puts you in a league of your own. Now, again, the conversation's a little different because those Islanders teams won them back-to-back-to-back. Mm -hmm. The Oilers teams won them very short order. Penguins spread them out from 2009, 16, 17, and then whenever they would have won their fourth. But the goal is the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Last night, you t took on one of the teams that you would probably have to go through because the Penguins right now, they're looking at third in the Metro is probably best case scenario. And if not, it's a wild card team. The Florida Panthers are battling to be a division champion this year. That's the caliber of team you're going to have to go through in the first round. And they looked like they didn't belong on the ice. So if the goal is the Stanley Cup, last night shows you at game 50, you don't belong on the same ice as a team like that. How can I trust that you're going to win seven game series against a team like that four times? I can't. So it's time to sell. That's that's where my logic is at this point. Time to let let it go. I will give you. And I said there's going to be a bit of positivity. I come from that comes from this for me. All right, I'm excited for this. You're set to go in to play the worst team in the NHL. I checked the numbers. The Chicago Blackhawks are the worst by about ten points, mind you. They are that many points behind. Connor Bedard is not in the lineup. Their only saving grace to their season, if they had any hope whatsoever, is not in the lineup. You need to... You can't just win tonight. The Penguins need to absolutely dominate. They need to show and prove <laughs> once again. We're going to give this one more shot. They need to show and prove why they still are the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then you have a struggling, like you mentioned, a struggling Los Angeles Kings team on Sunday. Uh, where, again, the vibes are going to be high. The vibes are going to be good for you know whatever reason. It might not be for the hockey itself, but because there's a nice fancy new banner going up to the rafters, there's going to be uh, stars, there's going to be fun, there's going to be memories, there's going to be laughs, tears, all of the stuff. There's going to be good vibes around the team. And the Kings are struggling. You don't, you don't need to dominate that game necessarily, but you do need to win that game. You win these next two. All right, fine. This conversation is now back again of maybe things can get going. But you have to, A, dominate the worst team in the league. you got to prove that you can still kick it around. You can't just beat them. You can't. You can't just win. you got to find that extra gear. And then you got to beat the Kings. 
because then you maybe you have a bit more mojo going into playing uh, some key Eastern Conference teams, and then into March. That being said, if Jake Gensel's hurt for any amount of time, <laughs> sell it all. Forget about everything I just said. Also, if you lose tomorrow, sell it all. Or today, sorry. I don't think any of us were of the illusion that the Penguins were one of the best teams in the league this year. I, I don't think that's the case. Now, there was hope that maybe Carlson comes in, kickstarts the offense, and the defense and goaltending are good enough that they're a top three team in the Metropolitan Division. They end up sitting in the best spot going into the playoffs that they have been in a good while. That was the hope, and then get them to the playoffs and let the insanity ensue. That's, I think, what a lot of people yeah. were hoping for. Yeah. I'm not even sure this team is on a level where playoffs are on the table at this point. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, is because you're falling behind at this point, and everybody's going to tout the games in hand. We've touted, hey, you have games in hand. There's a reason for optimism. This Penguins team has not won two-plus games more than twice this season, and they haven't done that in January at all. They did, haven't done that in February at all. They're not a team that's been able to stack wins, that's been able to build momentum this season. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Eastern Conference, it was last night was a microcosm of this. The team allowed you to be in the game. You were staying in the game, but the other team wasn't playing to their potential. The Eastern Conference has not played to their potential this season. They haven't through 50 games, but some of them are starting to figure it out. And if the Penguins are going to keep going at the pace that they're going and other teams figure it out, they're going to miss the playoffs by a mile. It's not going to be last season. It's not going to be you missed it by one point because you self-destructed in the last week of the year. It's going to be you're heading into the last week of the year and most people are thinking about where they're going and what their tee time is going to be. Yep. The Devils are getting healthier. Jack Hughes came back. He looked great against Nashville earlier this week. The Carolina Hurricanes, the trade deadline's coming up. You think they're not going to find a goalie? You think they're not going to get a little bit better in the goaltending category? Tom Waddell's not going to sit on his hands. You think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are just going to sit there and let their season start to go to crap? <laughs> well, you, uh, they, you, you think they're not going to try at the very they're least? They're going to try. No, they're, they're damn well going to try. I don't know if they could succeed, and that's a talk conversation for a different podcast. But, but at their best, they've been better than the Penguins have yes. even dreamed to be this year. Of course. So, like, eventually, the rest of the pack is going to leave you behind. It hasn't happened to this point of the season this is a very very weird year in which the eastern conference has allowed you to stay relevant a lot of people have said it's been tristan jari it's been Sidney crosby it's been jake gensel and for their part they're correct that's the reason the penguins are where they're at but let's not forget that everyone else in the eastern conference is also a big reason as to why you're there because they haven't left left you in the dust the penguins haven't earned that spot as much as everybody else has allowed them to keep that spot and mm -hmm. I, I don't want to take anything away from Crosby because he has been nothing short of spectacular for large stretches of this season. I don't want to take anything away from Tristan Jari because he's having a career year despite having a piss-poor defense in front of him. But the rest of the, the, of the conference eventually is going to figure it out. And if it's not the entire conference, it damn sure is probably going to be at least six to seven teams, which leaves a very little room to try to sneak into the playoffs. And when you get there... This all leads back to the first point I made. When you get there, is this Penguins team good enough to win four best-of-seven series against the top teams in the Eastern Conference? They're just not. You know, I, I, I've always said, as long as Sidney Crosby's there, there's never no hope. This is as close as we've gotten to no hope. I'll say I'm not at 0% because Sidney Crosby has done some miraculous things in his mm -hmm. career and it would not surprise me if he galvanized this group one more time. 
but it's also something that would be very, very far-fetched and something that I, I don't see a clear path to at this point. You're right. I'm not at 0% either. I just gave my spiel while I'm not. Yeah. But it's... But both of those things need to happen, and oh yeah, probably need to make an addition if you're truly going for it, if you're truly what, yeah, 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 yeah. But we can't add at this point. We still can't. No. The Penguins can still not buy. Uh, first of all, what assets do you have to buy with? Second, um, it's... This is brutal. This is brutal. It's gotten to that point of... It truly might be time to sell it off. And again, we're not saying sell off to bit to build something for this year it is sell off to build for next year and the year after it is that's not an easy plan to execute it it's it you know there's a lot of people that have said that it's impossible i don't think it's impossible but i think you need to be very smart and you need the moves to work out and so far kyle dubas's moves just haven't worked out for him. i mean his plan was bottom six defend top six score I don't think he planned on Riley Smith and Ricard Raquel both having two of the worst seasons they've had in the past 10 years. Both of or them. Or Evgeny have, Malkin kind of fading away. Or he Evgeny Malkin has taken a step back. I, I don't want to overreact to it. I don't want to say that he's he's done because he's not cooked. He still has, what, 41 points in 50 games? Hey, That's he's impressive. Still producing. And he's made plays in these games. He doesn't have the line mates to be able to succeed consistently. And he also doesn't have the legs to be able to carry a line consistently. And and that's why his performance has dipped. And then he tries to overdo it and then cycle and cycle and cycle. He makes mistakes. He forces turnovers. And then everybody gets harder on him. But, I mean, they need more from him, but they also need more from around him. That's the problem. It's not one issue with this team. If it was one issue, you make the move, you fix the issue, and you go on to try to make the playoffs. There's so many issues with this team. They they don't show up at certain points. The power play has been detrimental night in and night out that there's no way to fix it. So at this point, you need to work on fixing it for next season because if you wait until the offseason, you're going to have less time and and less teams that you can try to figure things out with. You have to use the time available to you, and that is the three weeks between now and the trade deadline to try to kickstart whatever you're going to do to try to facelift this team before the 2024-25 season. Yep. Yep. It's, it's turn, in, turn it in time. It's either... Mm-hmm. The, the time for, like, I don't know. The time for making the decisions to go for it is over. That's past. Yeah, they made the decision for you last night. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. This is where I'm out of words. It's, <laughs> I ra- I've officially run out. I have my heat in me that, um, you know, mm-hmm. explains this team. It's nothing from from the jump. It's going to be so poetic whenever a Chicago Blackhawks game decides. The, Don't tell me this. because <laughs> so, I know because I already have the belief that they're going to end up losing tonight's game. Like yeah. in, in the back of my head, like they should win this all intents and purposes, yeah. all signs point to a Penguins game where they bounce back and they should have a good game. They should get two points tonight, but they've lost the last two games against these teams in what ended up being, I, I don't want to say pivotal because the first game of the season is not pivotal, but it certainly set you on the wrong course to start yeah. the year. Yeah. And we know what it was last year. It didn't necessarily decide the playoff fate, but it, uh, it did, dro- it, but it drove yeah, but it drove the nail into the coffin. That could very well happen again here. It's mm-hmm. 
Not going to decide the playoff fate, but you lose two in a row, once again, mind you, to the worst team in the NHL. That'll do it. That will call it in. It's game. Yeah. It's it's over, boys, and that's why I keep saying this. Sunday's going to be the last net positive day in vibes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not for play, but in vibes for the season. Mm-hmm. The summer, we'll see what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. I have all the faith in the world that Kyle Dubas can do something with this team, but it won't be mm-hmm. this year. It won't be for this season. It won't be for um the, the coming months. It'll just mm-hmm. be restock reload mm-hmm. i get the idea of a soft rebuild i feel like if anyone can do it it's kyle if anyone yeah. can understand listen he managed the toronto maple leafs for a long time what are they a uh, team known for high speed and scoring i think kyle dubas is a pretty good idea of who is good at high speed and scoring mm-hmm. i don't know why he th- i don't know if that was if i don't know what his game plan was necessarily going into this year he got eric carlson as a genuine good good piece good piece that's going to be helpful especially years down the line as he really gets used to the team and really finds a partner eventually well, and can grow into something um we'll see what he adds this offseason we'll see what he does in the next oh, goodness gracious 48 to 72 hours <laughs> if he does anything and then it, yeah yeah the, the the day of reckoning is coming for this team mm-hmm. the day of decision for kyle dubas is coming and what you said right there, you trust Kyle Dubas yeah. going into this process. A lot of people are going to take that. They're going to respond to it in the comment section because our comment section is live and sometimes a little toxic, but I love you guys anyway. But they're going to take that and say, how can you trust Kyle Dubas? I don't trust Kyle Dubas at all. Here's where I am on Kyle Dubas. And here's a little analogy for you. Horwath. <laughs> say a loved one passes and you're tasked with, hey, go clean out their house. Oh. It's happened to me. It happened to me and last you, year. And you know, man, I love them. They were a pack rat. They oh, yeah. were a hoarder. This is going to be an absolute mess. You show up, and it is exactly what you expected. It was a mess, but you signed up. You said you'd help. And then say that somebody comes to you and says, okay, you have five hours to fix this. I'll be back. Make sure it's sparkly clean. Make sure it's one of the best houses on the block. That's essentially what Kyle Dubas was tasked with. He walked into an absolute crap show when he took the job on June 1st. He knew he was doing it. Mm-hmm. And he was told, Sidney Crosby's 36 years old. Evgeny Malkin's 37. Chris Letang's 37. This is also one of the oldest teams in the National Hockey League outside of those three as well. Make them a Stanley Cup contender in the next three years. And Oof. by the way, this might be your best chance coming up in three months. Yeah. Fix it now. It's not an easy thing to do. And yes, when that happens, say back to the analogy, you're in that house. You're going to try some drastic things if you only have five hours to fix it. You're mm-hmm. going to say, all right, throw everything out in the yard. We're going to put some gasoline on it, burn it, try to get rid of that stuff. You're going to do a lot of drastic things that some may hurt, some may help. Mm-hmm. Enter Eric Carlson. Enter signing a $27 million contract for Ryan Graves. You're trying to do drastic things to get this team further ahead than most people could make it in one off season. I think for what he, for, for what he walked into, he's had some positives. He's had some negatives, but I think if you're burying this guy and saying, you don't trust him to lead a rebuild, you don't trust him to fix it. What have been, what has been the impetus of everything we have said about why they need to turn the point to the point right now where it's sell and start cleaning the whiteboard time. He didn't have time. He tried his best. 
He failed. And yes, he has a hand in where the Penguins are at right now. Don't get me wrong. There's he's part of the reason that they're at sure. they're where they're at right now. But let's not forget that he walked into an absolute crapshoot where the culture was down. Mm-hmm. The team had missed the playoffs. The team was not good. The bottom six was not good. And he was told, hey, you need to fix it. And ideally, they're a Stanley Cup contender next year Mm because you're running out of time. The clock is ticking. And I think that, well, yes, you put some of it on him. Like if you walked back in five hours into that house and there was nothing done, you'd be very upset at that person. But if you walk back into that house five hours later and he made progress, but it's still a mess, you can't really hold that against him. And that's where I'm at with Kyle Dubas. You can't. I don't know if this, even if this little analogy is going to make sense, but you know how everyone loves to remind uh, Steelers fans that Mike Tomlin, quote-unquote, won with Bill Cowher's players? Yep. This is, uh, you don't want to necessarily say <laughs> He's losing that. with Ron Hextall's players? <laughs> he tried but, to get rid of as many of them he, as possible. Exactly. He tried to flip as many of Ron Hextall's players as possible. And it, he did a good job of it. I mean... Shipping out Jan Ruda and Mikhail Granlund, top trade prospect, um, in one Stop. fell swoop for a pretty solid defenseman and Eric Carlson. Sorry, mind you again, good season. Uh, that's a good start. You're right. Like the progress is being made. You can see that the groundwork is being laid for building his own team. But there was nothing you could do about the Jeff Carter anchor. I, maybe we all thought Ricardo Kell was going to have a better season than he has. Yes, obviously. Brought in. Brought in Riley Smith is another one of those, hey, here's a guy. Um, but also, I don't, yeah, it, it's not, I guess it's not necessarily, you know, Ron Hextall's players. And, but it's, because I keep seeing a lot of people bring Hextall's name back into this. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see that. I think whenever people bring Hextall's name back into it, I think it's because Hextall is the one that, through some heavy-handed uh, tactics, si- extended, I should say, uh, Latang and Malkin. Yeah, that's a now, oh, like, that's a conversation that we don't necessarily have time to get into right now. You're right, you're right, but I think that's where a lot of people want to go with this, and I mm-hmm. also keep seeing a lot of discourse that uh, there's this idea that Dubas is letting this year play out as is to kind of show Fenway, hey, this core can't get it done. I'm shipping somebody mm-hmm. out. I'm not going to subscribe to that one um, because uh, because Latang's still useful to this team. So Latang is, you're not losing Latang. I think when we had that discussion of Doomsday back then, it was, if anyone, if you're keeping anyone, it's Latang. He's younger, he still has the legs, and you could, not necessarily a dime a dozen, but you could find a second line center with relative ease with the cap space that would have opened yeah, up for Yeah, that Malkin. was the argument against re-signing Malkin, yeah. Yes. But you decided to keep Malkin, and for what it's worth, last year, great year. Yeah. For the most part. Didn't carry into the playoffs, but good year. Had his moments this time around. Things are slipping, but again, he's 37. I'm not saying the core is leaving. I'm not. I'm not subscribing to that idea that I just presented to you, but it is something to keep in the back of your head. Yeah. You mentioned that people are bringing Hextall in, and here's the thing. What were the problems that Kyle Dubas had to fix in the offseason? Defense wasn't good enough. Bottom yep. six wasn't good enough. What did Correct. Ron Hextall ruin? The defense in the bottom six. Yep. 
routinely over a two-year span, he wrecked the defense in the bottom six while ignoring the Penguins' biggest issue at that point, which was goaltending. What did Kyle Dubas fix? He fixed the goaltending. He tried to fix the defense, and he tried to fix the bottom six. Kyle Dubas fixed the goaltending, I don't want to say by sheer luck, but by realizing that the market didn't have anyone better. And Tristan Jari is popping off this year, and it's great. We're doing that is fixing the goaltending, yes. Uh, Alex Nadelkovich and Magnus Helberg, of course, yes. Better than anything of... that has been behind Tristan Jari over his entire career. Maybe like outside one of maybe season. when Matt Murray was back. Yeah, and maybe like and one season good. of Casey DeSmith, like somewhere in there. But Casey DeSmith proved to you time and time again that he he's never healthy for the playoffs. Of course, that's uh, what, yep. So maybe change that, but I don't know. Ron Hextall. The dude should never have another job in hockey. He absolutely dismantled a team in two years. If he did it on purpose, then he sh- definitely shouldn't have it. If he did it on accident, then I don't even know how this guy can be lauded as, as somebody that has a brain uh, because he completely dismantled this, and I put that out on Twitter yesterday. But you know what? Let's finish it on a positive note because it's been 40 minutes of crapping on this team. Celebrate- oh, we'll get back to it for the rest of the season too. We have, yeah, we have 32 games left to continue to do this. Uh, Celebrate 68 weekend is upon us. We'll talk about what's going to happen on Sunday for one Yarmir Yager after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're going to take a detour from the road to hell really quickly to talk a little bit in this segment about Celebrate 68 weekend. The Penguins are set to honor Yaromir Yager this weekend and retire his number 68 to the Raptors, joining Mario Lemieux's 66 and Michelle Briere's 21 as the only three numbers to be retired in the 50-plus year history of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yarmir Yager with the Penguins currently ranks fifth in the history of the organization in games played with 806, fourth in goals with 439, fourth in points with 1,079, third in game-winning goals with 78. And when he was with the Penguins, he won the Art Ross Trophy five times for the leading point scorer with the in the NHL. He's a two-time Lester B. Pearson Award winner with the Penguins, and he was the 1998-99 Hart Trophy winner for the league's MVP. Then you look to NHL history, fourth in games played, fourth in goals, second all-time in points, and he leads NHL history in game-winning goals for the time being with Alex Ovechkin breathing down his neck right now, but has 135 game-winning goals as of right now, still the king of GWGs in the National Hockey League history. He also tacked on another Lester B. Pearson Award and a Masterton Trophy in 2015-16. So certainly... His resume precedes him, but I wanted to lay that out there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Sunday's festivities are certainly going to be memorable. There's a lot of things to be negative about surrounding this team right now, but Sunday afternoon at 4.15, which is when the Penguins are encouraging you to be in your seats by, it's going to be nothing but celebration. Yes. For the Penguins, for one of their legends, as he returns home after the story is is vastly more than just yeah. what he did on the ice what he did to keep the Penguins in Pittsburgh, what he did after that, and the story between him and Pittsburgh becoming a rivalry, mending those fences. Obviously, there's several stories out in The Athletic by Josh Yowie and Rob Rossi who have done a tremendous job. There's stories out by a lot of the people in the media in Pittsburgh that have done a great job th- this week. I encourage you to read all of them. They're all great. 
Um, but Sunday's festivities, they're set to be memorable. Teammates mm-hmm. from the 1991-92 Cup team are set to be in attendance. Paul Steigerwald is emceeing the events and the festivities, as we all know from watching Pittsburgh is home. Paul Steigerwald was around early when Yarmir Yager came over, took him over to Ross Park Mall to get a, a Canadian tuxedo, which he loved. But doors open at 3.30, or 3 o'clock, excuse me, on Sunday, and Penguins encouraging you to be in your seats by 4.15. Should be a special evening. It's it's going to be awesome. It's going to be just an absolute bright moment. Just so much. It's going like to it's going to be fun. There's going to be last tears, all of the things, all of the emotions. Um, expecting quite a few names from, like you mentioned, those 91, 92 teams, maybe even some later teams um, to file in. Don't don't forget also that uh, for a little bit of a time there, Yarmar Yager was the captain of this Penguins team. Mm-hmm. He captained this team to some big moments without Mario Lemieux around. And it's uh, any time that you discuss the Penguins history with anyone of the generation above us, uh, they always fall back to Yarmir Yager being their guy. Just Yager. Like, Lemieux was great, yes. And people understand the legend that is Mario Lemieux on and mm-hmm. off the ice in the in the ownership box, all of that. But there was there there for everyone it seems there was something about Yager as a player and as a person that made them fall in love with the sport, made them fall in love with the guy, and just this is more than deserving. And you're right, the story stems beyond you know even his first. It, 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 the story stems beyond his tenure in Pittsburgh too. Oh yeah, let's not forget the no choice but to trade him to Washington for pennies. No choice but to see him go and finish. Uh, whenever you said he only won a uh, Hart Trophy, I forgot he finished second whenever he was with the Rangers. I thought mm-hmm. he won one there. That's how good he was with New York. Um, and then to, you know, f- not th- then to head to Russia and then hey maybe the Penguins are getting him back. Maybe hmm. the Penguins are getting him back and then boom rivalry starts. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's, you got every sto- every story imaginable that you would get from family. That's the way the Penguins should look at Yager. It is. There's the love. There was some time of hatred there. There has been fences mended. There has been now an appropriate, not finish to the relationship between um, Yager and the Penguins, but an appropriate uh, exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Uh, an appropriate, here's the thing you've always deserved. We're happy to have you around whenever. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see who's going to be there. I know yeah. that these mo- these ceremonies are always special. Like you mentioned, I think we already know there's going to be um, the broadcasters, as in Caulfield, Trottier, uh, Borky. Borky. Kevin Stevens is going to be in town for whatever's going on at Rivers Casino. Friday, Friday. night's panel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, it'll be interesting to see who shows up. I've got some fun ideas, and I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of questions about Mario Lemieux still, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we obviously would expect Yarmir Yager to address the crowd or address the fans on, mm-hmm. on Sunday before his number goes up into the Raptors. Obviously, I would expect Phil Bork to to address the crowd potentially. Like, if anybody else is speaking, Mario's probably top on that list. I would imagine Phil Bork becomes second because he is Just charismatic. He's the re- He's the reason this is happening. That too. Yeah, he's you're the right. reason you're right. that he's the reason that Yager had any inkling of an idea that Pittsburgh wasn't done with him, right? I mean, I mean, you you read it. I read it in his story or his book, um, which is phenomenal. I suggest you read it if you 
loved those 1990s teams or if you just want to know more about those 1990s teams. But he put it in that book. It's been talked about on, I mean, he went on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, and said it a couple years ago what happened. It was written in one of the stories earlier this week from The Athletic. You know, Phil Bork was instrumental in starting the wheels in motion towards what we're going to see on Sunday. So he's certainly going to be on the ice. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the opportunity to speak. Again, we don't know who is going to all speak. Maybe it's just Yager. Maybe it's just Stagi and Yager. But if there's other people speaking, I think Mario would probably be, be top on that list and Borky would be second. Yeah, you have to figure that there's going to be... It's going to be a long ceremony it feels like right i mean i mean the game starts at six if you're told to be encouraged to be in your seats by 4 15 i'm assuming it starts at 4 30 that's going to be at least what a 40 minute 40 minute ceremony something like that at least a half hour you could push it to an hour probably depending on how quick the turnover can be because uh because i mean you're not really expecting um current players to be involved in any sort of way they're maybe gonna be on the ice maybe crosby malk and Latang come out to sort of be there no i think the players are all supposed to be on the ice oh they are right. or on i don't the bench. know how, said, i don't know how this goes i've never i don't know how any of this goes so uh ignore me then but it's <laughs> it's uh it's going to be fascinating i'm excited for every single second of it um i'll be spending my day downtown that's for sure yeah yeah another another player that i would assume is going to be there is yuri herdina uh, very, I was going to say the Herdinas are a good choice. Yeah. Uh, both of them, I would say. Um, and what was... I had another name that I cannot remember now. I mentioned to you Paul Coffey, but I feel like that one's kind of out of the realm of possibility just because of how little they played. Oh, uh, I just remember because I wrote it down and I checked my notes. I may or may not have heard through the grapevine of a certain former coach uh, from that time period. I'll leave it at that. Well... Okay. Um, certainly, you know, Brian Trache was an assistant coach in that time period. That's a good point. So he, maybe that's who you're talking about. Maybe that's who you're talking about. No, uh, <laughs> obviously, there's there's going to be a couple surprises. We know our guy Jaden Becker is going to have a couple surprises for the in-game stuff. Uh, a lot of fun for Celebrate 68 weekend. I'm excited to be in the building. First time I'll be back this entire season. So uh, I'm excited to be there. If you see me, say hi. Say what's up. Um, I'm excited to see the game. And obviously, the last time the Penguins and the Kings you know, faced, it was a very entertaining game at Staples Center. It was a very, very entertaining overtime game. I'm not calling it the other thing. I'm not calling it the other thing. But it was a very entertaining game. Four to three. Penguins win it in overtime. Brian Rust scores two. Not just twice, but Brian Rust scores two overtime winners for the Penguins in that one. It was a very entertaining game the whole way through. So I'm I'm excited. Oh, wow. The Columbus Blue Jackets just fired their general manager. How about that? Uh, Live (laughs) on air. Uh, But no. Uh, Why can't the Penguins do things like this? I mean, you know, we we got the Jeff Carter trade before, I think. That that happened? Oh, no. We jumped on after that happened. Uh, No, we we had already planned a live event or a live thing with the network. Uh, I forget who we were talking with. I think it was Doug Gladkey. And then we brought Jordy Cunningham on. To talk After about the it trade. happened. Yeah, we were just, we were just discussing the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, so it happened but, once. We can't be that upset. But you know, again, bringing it back, that was a trade between the Pens and the Kings. Pens hey. and the Kings taking on each other later. Uh, you know, later this weekend, it, it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a celebratory night, and hopefully, hopefully, the Penguins at the very least can win that one. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. Thank you.